he's in his house this morning. Awesome. You guys may be seated here in person, and welcome to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to have each and every one of you guys with us today, uh, whether you're here in person or quick shout out to you, all you online. Hey, we love you, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, but man, what a, what a special morning we have together. Really, really excited to jump in. We are in our third and final week of our series. We've titled this month, Wise Men. And uh, just like the wise men back in the time of Jesus, Jesus' birth, where they were on a significant journey to search after the, the newborn king, we, on this other hand, on this month, have been on a same, similar journey, but after wisdom. We've been seeking after God, asking him for wisdom, asking him for understanding what is wisdom and where do we find it and how do we apply it to our lives. And so our journey's taken us primarily through the book of Proverbs. And all month we've kind of made this statement that, hey, the book of Proverbs, if you're not familiar with it, it's an Old Testament book of the Bible right after the book of Psalms. The primary author of Proverbs is King Solomon, one of the wisest kings that ever lived. And Proverbs is just chock full of practical life application. It deals with every facet and area of life. It's wisdom that we all need practically to engage with to in our relationships and how we manage things, how we seek God, all of that. And so we're really diving in and uh, I've just really been blessed. A lot of you guys have joined us for our journey through the book of Proverbs this month. We've been doing uh, the Proverb a Day Challenge. And so uh, we're, we're taking one day of December, each day of December and, and reading a new Proverbs. There's 31 days in December, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So if you're, hey, I want to end this year strong. How many of you guys know 2022 isn't over yet? Amen. I believe God's still got some divine impartations and things he wants to get to us before this year closes. And so if you weren't aware of that, hey, just join us today. You don't need to try to make it all up. You can if you want. Proverbs is amazing. But you could start today and go read Proverbs chapter 18 because today's the 18th of December. And then tomorrow is 19 and 20. And just continue with us on that journey as you soak in God's wisdom. But uh, I, I've really enjoyed this series. We've covered a lot of ground in the last two weeks of this Wiseman series. If you haven't been with us, I just really encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or check us out on YouTube or Facebook. You watch the messages. But just really quick to get everybody up to speed before we dive into the word I believe God's placed in my heart today. We've been, uh, week one was a significant journey. We said, hey, this journey towards wisdom, this journey for wisdom is so significant. It's important. Just like the wise men's journey was important to go see Jesus, right? We learned that uh, wisdom is a lifelong pursuit. That pursuit of wisdom isn't just going to come at the end of a series or end of the message. It's going to be something we continually engage in, right? We looked at how wisdom is the principal thing and how wisdom begins and how it ends in God, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Last week was where to find wisdom, right? Where do we find this stuff? Where do we get God's wisdom? And all month we've looked to uh, one of our key scriptures in James chapter 1, verse 5. In that scripture it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And so if we ask God for wisdom, the word of God promises to give it to us, which is really, really good news. But what, like we asked the question last week, where, where do we look? Where do we get it? In what package does wisdom come from? Where are we to look to find that wisdom that God promised for us? And so we covered three places that we can look for wisdom. The first one was God's word, right? 
The second one was wise people. God can use other people to speak wisdom and help us in our journey. And the third one was the prayer and the Holy Spirit. That we can seek God, we can pray, and the Holy Spirit would illuminate our spirit. He'd give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that we would know. We could know and we could see what exactly is going on and what we're supposed to do. And so now that we have a better grasp after these first two weeks on what wisdom is and where to look to find it, Today, I believe the Lord wants to kind of bring it all home and really help us in this journey of wisdom. And more specifically, I want to focus on our response to wisdom. How do we respond? How do we apply it to our lives? And so the title of my message today is, What to Do with Wisdom? We need to ask that question. What are we supposed to do with wisdom? As we answer or as we ask that question from our heart of hearts today, I believe confidently that the Lord is going to impart some revelation to all of us today and help us along in our journey to not only hear wisdom, but to apply it to our lives and make it eternal impact for many others in our, our sphere of influence too. Would you join me as we pray, as we go to the Father to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from his holy word today. Father, we love you so much and we just thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for your word. It's truth. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It's forever settled in heaven. It does not change. It's eternal, and it changes us. It transforms us. It renews our mind. And so, Father, we thank you today for the wisdom from heaven that you are pouring out on us, Lord, as we want to know what to do with the wisdom we've heard about or that we're learning about or reading about. Father, I pray that you would just illuminate our hearts and our minds today and show us where we can apply wisdom in our very own lives today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. So the book of Proverbs, it instructs us in so many different areas on what to do with wisdom. Like it is chock full with do this, don't do this, treat this person like this, do this, all that. And so, um, but there's a lot going on there and I wanna simplify it today. And so for, for, for our time today, uh, uh, there's so much more I could talk about, but as you guys know, we don't have the time to do that in, in this short period of time. And so what we're really gonna accomplish today is focusing on three things of what to do with wisdom. Three things. I'm going to share three things of what to do with wisdom. And the first one is, number one, listen to it. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, listen. Listen to wisdom. This speaks to, and this challenges us in our awareness of wisdom that's all around us. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says this, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. I love how the book of Proverbs personifies wisdom. It actually gives her, calls it a her, and gives wisdom human attributes and says, wisdom is crying out and yelling in the streets. It's all over. It's a, hey, hey, here's what to do. Here's which way to go. Here's how to handle that situation. Wisdom is crying out. The question is important to ask after that statement is this, are we listening? Are we listening to the wisdom that's crying out for our attention? See, the Lord has great wisdom that he wants to pour into all of our hearts and our lives. And here's the deal. It's one thing to hear wisdom, but it's an exactly opposite. It takes it a level deeper. It's actually more important that we not only hear wisdom and read about it, but that we listen to wisdom. This is a huge, huge difference because a lot of you guys understand this just uh, physically, but there's a difference between hearing and listening. 
right? If you look up, if you look up uh, hearing in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it says this, it's the process, function, or power of perceiving sound. So to hear is to perceive sound. If you look up the definition of listening, it means to pay attention to that sound, right? To, to hear something through thoughtful attention and to give consideration. So, so let's kind of summarize it here, the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is the simply the act of perceiving sound. If we are not hearing impaired, then this just simply happens by our physical biology. We hear a lot of things throughout our day. Listening, however, on the other hand, is something that you consciously choose to do. It takes it a step further, right? Listening requires concentration so that your brain processes the meaning of the sounds that you're hearing, and listening leads to learning. I love that. Listening leads to learning, right? And some examples, I see some wives, you know, elbowing their husbands or vice versa right now uh, because... Because we'll get real here. How many times have you experienced a communication breakdown in your relationship because somebody in that couple heard something, but they didn't actually listen to what was said? Can I get an amen on that, right? That happens all the time. Honey, honey. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, easy, careful, all right? It's, It's Christmas, all right? Be nice to each other. Honey, I would love for you to pick up a cheese tray on your way home. Yeah, yeah, got it. And you show up with a jar of queso still going to hit really good, but I didn't listen to the directions. I heard something, but I didn't follow through, right? Parents, you probably understand the difference of hearing and listening to all the time, like a daily occurrence, right? I asked you to pick up your room or to clean up your toys, but didn't happen, right? This one happens often in our house. Hey, it's time to turn the TV off, the tablet off, the video games off. Yep, yep, got it. Hold on one minute. If I heard that one more minute, like if I hear that one more time, I don't know what's going to happen. Like they heard me say something, but they did not listen and obey immediately. Amen? Right? And so practically, (laughs) yeah, we get this, right? God reveals wisdom to us through his word, through other people, through prayer and the Holy Spirit. But our job, what is our job? It's to actually listen to it. It's really important. A lot We're hearing a lot in our information age and the internet and all that. There's so many voices and there's so much stuff. We're hearing a lot of things. But what are we listening to? What are we concentrating on? What are we intentionally bending ear to and then processing and applying in our life, Right? May we not just have ears to hear wisdom, but may we also engage our minds and our hearts to listen to wisdom, right? May we learn from God's wisdom in our lives, right? It's one thing to read through the book of Proverbs and hear a bunch of wisdom, but it's a completely other thing when we actually apply the words on those pages and and begin to work that wisdom out in our lives, right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2 says, so that you would incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart understanding. We talked a little bit about this in week one. Incline in the Hebrew literally means to pay attention. Incline or pay attention to wisdom. It means literally to listen, listen to wisdom. And so wisdom comes in our ears, but it becomes understanding when we listen to it and allow it to seep into our hearts. Because from our hearts flow all the issues of life, right? We live from the inside out. And so wisdom is crying out to us in this season The answer and the question of that is, are we listening? Amen? The next thing we can do with wisdom, number two, is buy it. Someone say buy it. Tis the season to shop, all right? 
right? And I've got something really good that you need to make sure you buy before the season's up. It's called wisdom. This challenges and speaks to our commitment and our resolve when it comes to the wisdom that God's downloading in our lives. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23, gives us this principle of buying wisdom. I love this concept. Proverbs 23, 23 says this, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. God's word says to buy truth, to buy wisdom, to buy instruction, to buy understanding and don't sell it. Don't get rid of it. We can actually buy wisdom. The scripture tells us, check this out. Proverbs 17, 16 says, why should fools have money in hand to buy wisdom when they are not able to understand it? And so if we are endeavoring to be wise men and wise women in this season of our lives, then then we're instructed to buy wisdom. So what does it mean to buy wisdom? What do you mean? Like, where do you get that? Does Target have a special? Like, I'll go after church, right? Like, where do I find that, right? No. What does it mean to buy wisdom? It means to invest in it. To buy wisdom means to keep it a part of your life, to hold on to it and to never let it go. I think this analogy of buying and selling in our natural world maybe will illustrate this principle for us a little bit better, right? When it comes to buying, if you value something, like you really value something, you usually buy it, you purchase it, right? If you want to keep something in your life, you often buy it, right? Because it's yours. If you want to have access to something whenever you want, not just based on if someone lets you borrow it or use it or whatever, then you normally purchase something, right? We, we see this all the time. If you're looking for a house and you finally find one you love, you often put in an offer because you want to make it yours permanently, right? And you don't want anybody else to have it, right? And so you try to buy it. Fellas, you probably get into this as much as I do. If you want to ensure that you have access to the tool that you need for the job when you want to use it, you buy that tool, amen? Your wife says, can't we just rent it? Can't we just borrow it from Joe down the road? And you're like, no, I gotta have it, right? I've experienced this over the years. Uh, I used to always borrow different people's chainsaws. And it's great. It's a great way to get it done and do some tree work and then give it back. But I would always be so frustrated when I needed a chainsaw now, and I went into my garage, I'm like, dang it, I got to go see if that person's got her, come by there, make sure it's fueled up, is it a chain shower? Like, so this spring, I pulled the trigger, and I bought one. Yeah, it's mine. It's mine. Mine, right? I share it. I, I let people use it, but hey, it's mine. And whenever I want, I put it to good use this fall. We got a wood-burning insert this winter, and oh my gosh, I put it to use, all right? There was, there was a forest in my backyard, and that's all cut up and chopped up. Oh, I even, like, watch out. Don't get in my way. Like, I'm just chopping stuff, all right? But you, you buy it if you want to keep it. On the flip side, we get this uh, when it comes to selling something. When, when we don't value something or we don't value it anymore, we often sell it, right? If you don't want something any longer, you get rid of it. Insert Facebook marketplace, right? It's full of people's stuff that are great stuff, but they don't want it anymore. They don't value it anymore. They're selling it, right? Side note, my wife is a Facebook marketplace ninja. A lot of you guys don't know this about her. Give her a few minutes. She'll just give me that. In about an hour or two, somebody leaves money on our doorstep and it's gone. It's gone out of her house. I'm like, that was, how did, whoa, Jedi master. Like, like it's like deep level stuff. I'm like, how did that happen? She's so good that I'm like, kids, clean up your room. Hide your stuff. Mom's on a cleaning rampage. 
in about three hours, that toy is going to be gone if you don't hide it. Now, I'm just joking, but I, I, I use this example because it's serious. Like, who is this person showing up? She got this little envelope on her, like, she didn't even do in-person transactions. Like, just leave it on the step. There's the envelope. Like, like, we got stuff all over the place. Like, what in the world? But it works, right? But the whole point of this illustration is when you don't want something, you, you get rid of it. You sell it. And the Bible instructs us, God's word instructs us to buy wisdom and to keep it. Not to trade it in, not to give it up, not to try to exchange it, right? Buy wisdom, invest in it, purchase it, hold on to it, keep it, don't let it go. And I, I believe this is not just a word for us personally. This is a now word for the church globally as well. It's time to up our buying power on God's wisdom. Because what I'm seeing in a culture is we are trading in and we are selling godly wisdom and godly instruction and God's word for worldly wisdom for cultural and political things that the world says is okay, but God's like, yo, I've already written the book on this. That is not in there, right? Relationships, gender identity, how to manage our money, the sanctity of life, all these huge hot-button issues that are in our culture right now. God has already spoken very clearly on all of those things. We know his heart on all of those things, yet we trade it in and we're selling God's wisdom because the world tells us, no, we gotta, we gotta be open to this. Does that make sense? So we, gotta be, we cannot just give that away. Keep on to God's wisdom because I believe the moral decay of our culture is a result of selling godly biblical wisdom and trade it in for worldly wisdom. And that's where the decay happens. Remember, wisdom is the principal thing. It's the most precious, valuable thing that we could ever attain. Proverbs 8.11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that one may desire cannot be compared to her. There's nothing on this earth that is more valuable than God's wisdom and God's word. So hold on tight to wisdom. Do not let her go. Do not let her out of your sights. Do not sell her and trade her in for what the world promises is something better. If the enemy and the devil comes around and tries to get you to sell the wisdom that you have, do not do it. Oh, come on. You don't need to be pure in that relationship. Everybody else is doing it. Don't sell it. Oh, come on, everybody's in debt. Just buy what you want. You'll figure it out. God will bless you. He'll figure out how to get you out of that mountain of debt. Just do it anyway. Spend money you don't have. Don't do it. You don't deserve, you don't need a relationship with God. No, you don't need to have church. Church doesn't need to be a part of your life. You do you. You do your own thing. Don't sell it. Amen. We got to buy the truth, buy wisdom, and do not sell it. Proverbs 4, 6 says, hold on to wisdom, and it will take care of you. Love it and it will keep you safe. There's safety and security in buying wisdom and holding on to that. Wise men and wise women buy wisdom and do not sell it, amen? So that's number two, we wanna buy wisdom. The third area of what we're supposed to do with wisdom is number three is apply it. Someone say apply. We need to apply the wisdom. This speaks and challenges our actions. This is where faith meets action. Word meets duty, right? In the words of the prophet in the book of Nike, just do it. Some of you guys are laughing at me. Yeah, that's not in the Bible. It's a really good word uh, for, for wisdom, and it's really good sports apparel too. Um, it, it's one thing to find wisdom, but it's totally a different thing to actually apply it to our lives. 
And this is where the tension meets it. This is where the rubber meets the row. This is where, oh, cool, that was a great series. My life doesn't change. I move on. What's the next thing? Boom. Versus, wow, God downloaded something. God illuminated something. God showed me something. God gave me the answer to something. God pointed me in the right direction. And did I have the guts to apply it and step on a faith and do it? That's what God wants from all of us, right? There's so many areas where we can apply the wisdom of God in our lives. We could talk for days, but I feel like the Holy Spirit highlighted a few areas that we're just going to camp out on real quick. So if you're taking notes, get ready. I'm going to blaze through a bunch of Proverbs right now, give you some ammo that you can go back and study in different areas. But let's talk about when it comes to our words. Can I read a couple Proverbs for you? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one who speaks like piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Proverbs 18, 21, many of us are familiar with this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We could go on and on and on. A really cool study. If you want to look at Proverbs from a different angle after you're even done with it this month, Go back through Proverbs, maybe change up the translation you've been reading in, but go through Proverbs and highlight, underline, or write in a notebook anytime it talks about words, mouth, or tongue. And you know what we're going to have at the end of that study, however long that takes you? A notebook chock full of scriptures. Because God knows that there is power in our words. It's important. He needs to get our attention. It's a book of wisdom. And he's saying, yo, your words aren't just careless words. Your words have power. Your words are containers. They take you one place and they take you another place, right? They frame the world that you live in. Our words are important, right? They produce death or they produce life. They produce health or they produce sickness. They produce good things or they produce bad things in our lives. Wise men and women take careful heed to the words that come out of our mouth. And so... This holiday season, especially as we get around family, and sometimes there's some tension in those moments, may we watch our words. May we guard our tongue and our mouth. May we speak words of life into that situation, into a broken situation. May we, may we frame the situation, the atmosphere that we're even walking into as we pray on the front end of that gathering and ask God to move mightily and give you wisdom of how to respond and how to answer in those gatherings, right? Watch our words that we're speaking over ourselves but also watch the words that you're speaking over others. Amen? So our words is a place where God challenges us to apply wisdom. Another area is our families. Let me share a couple scriptures here for you. Proverbs 22, verse 6. We read this one last week as we dedicated a lot of babies here at Alive Family Church, right? Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 19.18 says, discipline your children while there's hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their lives. Proverbs 22.15 says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it from him. Parents, the, the book of Proverbs contains so much wisdom of how to parent our kids. I always joke, like, when we, when we took Ella, our first child, home from the hospital, I felt like I was stealing a child. And they didn't give me any instruction manual. Like, they didn't say, here's how she works. And, here, and the second kid, here, Eli, here's how he works. And your third kid, praise God, the baby, the family, here's how he works. Right? They just said, here you go. You're on your own. Good luck. You're going to do great. I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
right? Kind of horrifying and really exciting all at the same time. Like, I am responsible to keep this child alive and to guide it in the way it should go and, and raise it up and make sure it makes good decisions and is a good person. Like, that is, that's a lot of pressure, right? Parents, you feel that. You know that. Grandparents, you know that as well. Our kids don't automatically turn out great. It takes intentionality. Amen? It takes focus. It takes training. It takes some discipline. Without discipline, the kid does whatever they want. How many of you guys know it's not God's best to let our kids just do whatever their little heart pleases? The word's like, just let them, whatever they feel, whatever they believe, whatever they do. They're kids, and they got hormones, and they're developing. They're looking for their parents. God has anointed the parent to be in a position of authority in that child's life until they're a certain age. And if we allow the, the people to do whatever they want, that's why we're getting the results we are in culture. We got to step up as parents, and we got to parent Train up a child, discipline, correct. That doesn't sound very enjoyable for the child at times or the parents. But we got to love enough to say, you know what? This is how we do things and this is how we don't do things. Amen? This, this, is, this is what we, you know, we don't let them eat whatever they want. We don't let them watch whatever they want. We don't let them listen to whatever they want. We don't let them play any video game they want. We don't let them date anybody that they want. Why? Because there needs to be boundaries. And when the boundaries are crossed, there's discipline and correction to fix the fence that was broken. Amen? There's intentional conversation. Now, even as you do everything that God tells you to do, does a kid turn out, right? hey, everybody's got their own will, and you do your part, and you leave the rest up to God. Amen? And so sometimes they get it right away, and sometimes, God bless them, God's grace needs to pour into their life. Amen? We've all been there, and we're all a recipient of God's grace and God's timing of his grace in a child's life. But man, may we be wise and heed the wisdom in God's word and parent our kids and raise up a generation that loves God and is confident in who they are and who God's called them to be, amen? I believe real life change in our community happens in the home first before it ever happens in an outreach out of a church, amen? What's another area that we can apply wisdom in our life? Let's, let's talk about finances for a second, okay? This is where everybody gets real quiet. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10 says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Man, we honor the Lord. We can honor the Lord by giving him the first fruits. Elsewhere in scripture, the first 10% is known as the tithe, right? So many of us believers have heard about this. I'm shocked at the number that actually apply it. I'm thankful that we pastor a church that's a very generous church and is beating cultural norms and, 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 and national averages and all of that stuff when it comes to generosity because generosity is a lifestyle for us here to live. It isn't just a, something we do every now and then, right? It's a part of who we are. God so loved the world that he gave, amen? So we give, but man, the national average is tithers make up 10 to 25% of every congregation. That means 10 to 25% carry the whole load. What would it look like if 100% participated? Amen? What kind of difference, right? Only 5% of Americans tither. That means give away 10% of their income. Only five. This one shocks me, though. Christians give, on average, 2.5% of their income. 2.5% is the average. God's standard, God's best is 10. That's the starting block. People get real mad and offended. It's like, if you want to be a real Christian, 10 is the starting block. God gives us grace. He allows us to work there. We don't all start there sometimes, but man, isn't it good to honor the Lord 
in the ways that he's called us to do that, man, when we do that, there's blessing attached to it. He said, you will overflow, right? But mathematically and mentally, it doesn't make any sense to us. Wait, if I give, then I'll have less than I had. And it's like, man, God don't play by that. He looks at the heart. He looks at the sacrifice, right? We've got room to grow, amen? I say this in love. I say it to a church that's really generous, but man, may we apply the wisdom that God's already put there because it's there for a reason. And a lot of times we look the other way because it's uncomfortable to us. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. I love this scripture because God is not making excuses and God is not apologizing for blessing you. He's a good heavenly father. He wants his children to be blessed, to be a blessing. Notice it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. And where we get into the ditches, God doesn't care if you have money. He cares if money has you. Where we get in the ditches, I did that. My company did that. My skill did that. I make myself rich. My company does that. Hey, who, who blessed you have the opportunity? And who's giving you those divine relationships and favor? Who is pushing it further even when you're sleeping, making money for you? The Lord can control all that, amen? But a lot of times we get so selfish and we put it all on us. Look what I did. Look what I built. Look what my company's doing, right? The Lord, when the Lord blesses, he has no sorrow to it. But I've known a lot of people that sorrow comes when they get their eyes off with the Lord's blessing and they try to make it happen in their own strength, right? That's where we can fall. And so wise men and women, man, we make sure we're doing what the Lord's called us to do and let his blessing be added to our life. And the other area is Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender, Man, it's wisdom, it's wisdom from the Lord in God's word to avoid debt at all costs. Something that is not very said in our culture in general, right? To try to live within your means. Be content in every season when you have little and when you have much to be content and not overspend and not spend money that you don't have. There's wisdom in that, right? Because if we don't, we get into debt, and we actually become slave to the lender. Who's our daddy? It ain't, it ain't God's blessing on it. It's Capital One. It's Chase, right? It's Fifth Third. Like, who, who calls the shots? Who says I, you can have that or you can't have it? Somebody else. You become slave to the lender. Now, again, we're all on a journey. God is a loving Heavenly Father, and we make some decisions that we think is great, and Hey, we get ourselves in a little predicament. God is faithful to help us out of those, amen? But we gotta apply his wisdom first. Sometimes we can avoid the ditch in the pit that we get ourselves in even before it happens if we just heed, if we don't just hear the wisdom. We all hear these things a lot in the church. If we actually listen to them and apply them, God wants to protect us from some really big damage in our life, amen? And so wise men and women steward their money according to God's word and God blesses them, he says. A couple other things here and we'll close up. Let's talk about our relationships with other people. This one's huge. We're relational people. God created us to do life with other people. And how many of you guys know, we don't always see eye to eye. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> we don't always get along, right? And stuff happens and bitterness happens and offense happens. But uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Gossip will kill relationships. It will, it will, it will divide and bring strife and division so quick when you talk about somebody behind their back. And we're all guilty. We've all stumbled in this area before. 
But the Bible says it's like putting wood on a fire. And the more wood you put on there, the more raging it happens. That relationship can get really out of control really quick. But the other cool thing is when you take wood off and you don't have any more wood on that fire, it's going to be more calm and controlled. Gossip is something that we should not allow in our tongue and in our conversations. Amen? And so let the Lord and the Holy Spirit work on us if we are prone to this. Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Man, this one's tough. We become wise men and women when we control our anger. We learn how to have God help us control our temper and respect others, even overlook the wrongs. Offense can try to come, but don't take offense. We talked about this a few months ago in Pastor Erica's series, right? No offense. Do not pick up somebody else's offense and be gracious to overlook the wrongs that people have done to you. That is wisdom. And that helps you keep moving down the road that God has for you and not get bottlenecked up, right? And then I love Proverbs 11.25. Man, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Man, it's so good to refresh others. But the cool thing is when your generosity, when you're just like, hey, go ahead and take that. Go ahead and have that. No, lunch is on me. Whatever. You're just being generous. Not only does it refresh somebody else, but the Bible says that it refreshes who? It refreshes you. Man, if you need a little refreshing, sometimes you need a little output. Amen? I've learned that when I get like stale and critical and all that, I'm so super selfish. It's it's been all in and no out. When you start flowing out, letting love flow out and generosity flow out, you begin to become a conduit for God's grace and mercy and and generosity and prosperity to continue to flow through you. That's what we want to keep going in our lives. Amen? And it affects our relationships. Everybody loves to be friends and hang out with a generous person. Amen? Amen? Stingy people, man, we try to avoid that at all costs, right? And so, again, we apply wisdom to our relationships. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to listen to it and apply it. Amen. the last area that, I don't know why we're going here, but, man, God cares about it. It's in his word, and so let's talk about it. And that comes to our work ethic. Our work ethic outside of church. Proverbs 14, 23 says, All hard work brings profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. God desires us as his children to work hard. Not just talk the talk, but to do it, right? Wisdom says talk is cheap. Get to work and put your hand to something, amen? Allow God to bless something that you put your hand to, right? I love in Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. do you see a man who excels at his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Man, when you work hard, And when you're good at what God has called you to do, you will be favored and blessed. You will be promoted. You will be exalted. You'll be brought in front of people that you ought not be brought in front of, according to God's word. Amen. When you work hard and you're diligent, I love this last scripture, Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Man, faithfulness produces blessing in our life. Amen. Not laziness, faithfulness. What does faithfulness look like on the job? It might look like showing up on time, working when you're getting paid to work, being honoring and integritous and truthful, even if it'd be easy to change that story or to change that situation to your boss to make everything look good, right? It means working hard and giving your best, right? And getting the job done and doing it right no matter how long it takes. That's faithfulness, right? When we do that, we honor God, And we make the gospel real attractive to others who are at our workplaces. Hello, amen? 
A lot of us are praying for our coworkers, and our coworkers are like, just show up on time, and I'll believe, I'll submit to the God you worship. Just work instead of talking or checking your Insta for eight hours a day and, and calling it work. Just, just be a good witness and watch what God can do in that situation, right? It hits home. It hit home for a lot of us. But man, it's, it's God's wisdom. Again, I share this in love because, man, I need every single one of these things on this list. I ain't crushing 100. I ain't batting 1,000. No one is, right? But God's wisdom is in there. Let us not just hear it. Let us listen to it and let us apply it because, man, we could go on for days. The book of Proverbs talks about every area of life, but for time's sake, we're going to close this thing down. But, man, I really want to make sure we catch this. May we not just know what God's word says, but may we apply our heart to understanding, which means doing it. And James says, don't be a hearer of the word only. Be a doer. God's looking for people to rise up in these last days that doesn't know about his word, but does his word. That's an important piece for us as a church as we move forward, as we walk in wisdom. He wants to give us all this wisdom. and He's already, he's already written it down. He, he already downloads it to us, but what we do with it really makes the eternal difference. Amen? I pray you're catching the heart and spirit of this, man. We want to be wise men and wise women. Don't just go through book of Proverbs and call it good, man. Be a student of God's word. Be a student and let the Holy Spirit speak in situations. Be pliable, flexible, mendable when the Holy Spirit says, you need to do that or you need to make this adjustment in your life or you need to align your life to this area of my word. And when as we do that, man, that's what makes us wise. Wisdom, remember back to week one, is knowledge applied. It's knowledge applied. A lot of people have knowledge. Not everybody applies it and uses it. And so as we end this series and move on to what God has for us next, may we not forget that, man, what are we supposed to do with wisdom? Number one, listen to it. Learn from it. Number two, buy it. Wisdom is for sale, and it's worth the price. But the enemy's going to come and say, trade that in. I got something better for you. You want an upgrade? Say, no, thank you. I got what I need, and I'm going to hold on to it. And, and number three, apply it. Do, do the wisdom and reap the benefits as God's word promised. I love it. God never asks us to do anything without, like, attaching a promise to it. He's not a hard taskmaster. He's a loving father. And he wants what's best for us as his kids. How beautiful is that? We don't deserve the grace and the love and the mercy that he pours out on us, but he does it anyways. He's like, man, I don't want you to be in the dark on stuff. I want you to know what to do in every situation. Receive my wisdom. Walk in my wisdom and be wise. Would, we, would you guys join me as we pray and just ask God to continue this journey of wisdom even beyond this series? and impart something special to each and every one of us. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you that you promised that if we ask you for wisdom, you said you'd give it to us. Man, that's incredible. And Father, I thank you in this season right now that we're in both individually but also corporately as a church as we're heading into uncharted territory, into new ground, to the new kingdom opportunity, Father God is in this new year in 2023 as we enter into our new space, our new home and begin to welcome home more people, Father. We just thank you that wisdom is flowing from heaven. Lord God, that the spout and the tap is full 
of your wisdom. And Lord, we don't just hear about it. We don't just know about it. But Lord, may we have ears to listen, to buy, and to apply your wisdom. Father God, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. They would be flooded with revelation, light, knowledge, and understanding. We would know exactly what to do and what not to do, how to say it and how not to say it, when to stay put and be patient and when to charge forward and take new ground. Father God, we would be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, not because of our own strength and our wittiness, but because of your wisdom, your heavenly wisdom that comes down from above, Father God. Oh, we honor you, Father. You are the God of wisdom. It begins and it ends with you. And so, Father, we ask you, and I ask you to download that wisdom that we all are seeking, whatever that thing is, whatever that situation is, whatever answers you need. Father, as we bring them to you, thank you that our eyes would be open and we would listen and we'd apply it, Father God. I thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your provision. I thank you for your peace and your great joy that's on the other end of that obedience to that wisdom. Father, we receive it by faith. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So be it. Man, wisdom. Wisdom. I want to end with this today. Mentioned it in week one. We'll start and end with it. The word of God says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And remember, we've talked about this quite a bit the last few months. It doesn't mean being afraid. Fear, it's not that kind of fear. It's reverence, it's esteem, it's value, it's honor. When we honor the Lord, when we esteem him, when we put him in his proper place, that is the beginning place of wisdom. That's where the the spout is opened up for heavenly wisdom to start pouring into our life when we begin to have a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, Christmas is fun. We've got ugly sweaters, trees, and presents, and all that. But remember the real reason for the season. It's the birth of of our Lord and Savior, the free gift of salvation. And I mentioned this, I think, week one, but I'll never stop talking about it. The wisest decision I believe I've ever made in my life is to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My second is to marry that beautiful woman on that second. It's real close. Some kind of joke, you know? Like I give the Lord honor, right? Jesus, the wisest decision you could ever make is putting your whole faith and trust in Jesus. And so this Christmas, gift yourself something. A lot of times we're so worried about gifting everybody. What do they want? And oh, everybody's got to be happy. And it's like, yo, make sure you've got the greatest gift in your life. This is the one time you can be selfish when it comes to salvation. God did everything he's already going to do by sending his one and only son. It's a free gift. It's underneath your Christmas tree. It's got a tag and a nice calligraphy and a little like Joanna Gaines, like Pinterest type thing. And it's all like, it's like, wow, don't touch it. Just look at it. And he wants you to pick it up and tear into that and experience salvation. It's for you, for all of us. And we simply just call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible said we would be saved. So out of reverence in this moment, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we close service today? And online, I want you to be reverent in this moment as well. I believe it's for some of you watching or watching later in the week. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the beginning of wisdom. That's where true wisdom starts. 
We would hate for you to go on with your holiday season and into your new year without the greatest gift of all time, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. You would be saved and you could experience the free gift of salvation, which isn't just eternity in heaven, but it's safety and health and preservation and prosperity. There's so much that goes into the gift of salvation when you study that out. It's for you. So if everybody head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, you just be honest, man, I don't, I don't have that kind of relationship with Jesus, but I want it. I mean, I have all the answers figured out, but I know I'm missing something. I want to get in on that. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to call you up or call you out or embarrass you. I just want to pray a corporate prayer here in just a second together. But if you're here today or tuning online, you want to receive Jesus in your life, maybe for the first time, or maybe you'd say, you know what, it's time for me to rededicate my life to the Lord. I knew that. I prayed that at one time, but I have been I have not been walking with the Lord for maybe even for years. It's time to come back home into that right relationship with God. If that's for you, in either invitation, would you just slip up your hand real quick so I know who I'm praying with today, if that's for you, and as well as online as well. And uh, church family, would you just join me in, in repeating this prayer as we pray with any of those that are receiving Christ for the first time. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart change my life and help me live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.